You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Um, the, we've had, we've had three different approaches to cyberpunk, or rather, uh, steampunk, which I don't think, actually I think, um, I don't know, I wanted to open it up to a Q&A discussion about what actually is steampunk. Is it a literary conceit that doesn't really mean anything, or is it an actual, <coughs> is it an actual sort of paradigm and way of looking at the world which... Uh, which I think Richard was kind of getting in, and, and which do we have here? What I felt like tonight was it's as much a thing, I don't know, I felt like in a sense, even though I liked all the literature that was done, it was more about the writers than the machinery, you know? So it seemed, it seemed like we had here a sort of writer's, a writer's writer view of steampunk. I don't know, what do you, th- what do you think, Joe? What do you think? It- well, you know, I, I never actually knew, knew it was steampunk. I was just writing these stories. And, uh, you know, I grew up on Jules Verne and H.G. Wells and all of this stuff. And some of the earliest stuff, I, Edgar Allan Poe. My God, I loved Edgar Allan Poe. So all of this stuff, when I was growing up, I was reading writers that are associated with that genre. And all the things about the early flying ships and the way they looked. And, the, the, you know, they made movies uh, uh, when I was a kid with, I think, Vincent Price, where they did uh, uh, the, uh, what, what was... Uh, um, um, Robor the Conqueror. I don't remember what the film was Robert called. Conqueror. Conqueror. What was it called? Master of the World. Master uh-huh. of the World. And all those stuff. So th- those things had a big impact on me as a kid. And also the classics illustrated where they did, you know, the yes. burn and the wells. And, and all those things were there. And I'm just a voracious reader. But I, I don't just, this isn't just all I do. I love it. But I also do crime novels and whatever. So whatever interests me is where I go. So I never sat down and made any kind of plans or anything. Ned the Seal told me this story. And he told me those other two stories, too. So, What do you think, Paige? Um, well, I had a big old machine in mind. Yes, you uh, did. And a brass right. rail and a wooden sub. Yes, yes. And, and the, the, the wooden sub is actually, there really was a Senor Monturial and uh, he actually did invent an anaerobic engine. He, uh, you know, most, most Americans think that, well, it was the Hunley, it was the Confederate sub. We were the first. Actually, no, we weren't at all. Um, uh, the Europeans came up with a number of them, and Mr. Montreal, in 58 or thereabouts, um, invented this sub. And prior to that point, the prototypes of subs had been uh, invented for warfare, and he was more sort of the Captain Picard of the of the proto submariner uh, school, and that he felt they should be used for exploration and uh, going on, you know, living actually below. So he invented all this totally neat stuff, and of course, it made no money, so it was confiscated and broken up for scrap. But you can see models of this beautiful submarine that he invented, which I sort of lifted and put into the story. Um, what appeals to steam? What appeals um, to me about steampunk? is that it's sort of the antithesis of the clockwork orange dystopia sort of future where everything is jagged and broken and people talk in filthy language and beat each other up and cut each other with knives. Steampunk is this wonderful um, 
literature of hope and civility and that people will live with a certain elegance Not the when they venture into the stars? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was what Richard was saying. Well, there was yeah. a certain elegance to, to that, too, Yeah, though. well, you know, the, the, the other side of this coin, too, I, I don't want to, we'll get Rudy's time, just get into this real quick, is that one of the things, too, that led me to it was and it were dime novels of the West, which I read a lot of. I'm a real fan of Western literature. But a lot of those things were, there, there was old stories about the steam man of the prairie, and there were old stories about Jesse James and his steam team, which meant they were horses that were designed, metal horses that ran on steam, mm. and they're chasing Jesse James in this Frank Reed, and they're chasing Jesse James with these horses and things. And when I read that, it, it, it struck me as that uh, it was almost like Jesse James was some kind of vampire, the way they wrote it. So I wrote that story in, that, that appeared in Steampunk based more on dime novels than really uh, English Victorian literature, although I had the Jules Verne and H.G. Wells background. But for me, I, I actually think I drove into that garage by uh, more from the frontier literature, which a lot of that stuff is amazingly interesting and has science fiction before it was science fiction. Yeah. It's nearly all lost. Well, yeah, I think one of the motivating ideas is it's alternate history novels. It's As a science fiction writer, you get used to exploring other worlds, and the past is, is a different kind of other world, and you can go back there and think about it. And I think one appeal of the, the steampunk novel is science, present-day science, is uh, maybe annoyingly complicated. And then there's this idea that we can go back and make things out of gears and levers, and it's not going to be so so hideously uh, intricate. We don't have to deal with quantum mechanics and things like that. So that's that's one one element. Uh, the other is uh, you sort of get to hate computers after a while, uh, and. One way to get rid of them is to go into the past. Actually, recently I've been sort of toying with the idea of, oh, well, there's no point in calling it neo-steampunk, but <laughs> where I am writing some stories now that are in an area where the computers have in some sense gone away and been subsumed into natural matter, where you might basically have a glass of water being your computer or a, a leaf being a, a computer, and sort of getting rid of some of this this sort of these 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 annoying gadgets that we have around here, and uh, yeah, so steampunk as a literary movement, it kind of started in the oh the mid '80s. You had uh, James Blaylock writing a lot of weird sort of Victorian English books, and then uh, Tim Powers was doing it, and then of course we had. Bruce Sterling and William Gibson did the difference engine. That was maybe... And it always had to do with personalities <coughs> and machines, if you think about it. Uh, yeah. Whether it, it's Babbage or yeah. Shelley or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and the Hollow Earth also. The thing I liked about the Hollow Earth was there, the, basically the only science gimmick there was geographical, which basically the Earth was shaped a little bit differently. So I like that. Well, I think one of the things that uh, on steampunk is, frankly, there cyberpunk kind of ran out of steam that there were only so many so ways speak. you could think of a screwed up future and so let's perhaps come look, <laughs> look at the past with uh, uh, the eyes of our understanding of technology now and perhaps 
uh, postulate what would have happened if we had taken this path or another path uh, moving forward, both mm. as a country or as a world or with, t with technology. Well, cyberpunk never moved me, I have to admit. I, uh, it, there were exceptions. You know, the, all of the people that you mentioned that wrote cyberpunk, I read their stuff. Lou Shiner should probably be mentioned in there, too. He, uh, Lewis Shiner touched on, on that. I liked all of the kind of like the original pieces that people said, this is what it, Rudy, is, uh, the, all these people. But after that, I, I, it didn't interest me much. I don't really like any of these punkisms, to tell you the truth, or any of these little clubs, because I don't belong to any of them. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me, as as uh, Groucho Marx said. But the but the thing was is is that I think that for me, I think Terry hits on it. For me, it's the personalities and it's that sort of feeling of a lost opportunity that might have been there, how things might have been. But I love all the things like Vern and and Twain and Wells and and Poe and and I loved all the nutty theories. You know, the guy that talked about the Hall R. Sims. This guy went around and made lectures. That, that he was supposedly one of the worst lecturers that ever <laughs> spoke. He was so dull, but the, but the subject matter held people. And apparently he wandered from pillar to post when he did these things. He would just kind of, and the earth's uh, it's got, it's got a hole in it. Well, what was the relationship between Sims and Charles Fort? Was there a, was Fort, there a Fort just got interested Fort in Fort was just stuff. much later. Yeah, he was Sim, much later. Sims lived in Cincinnati. Fort was in the 50s and okay. early 60s, wasn't it? Before the yeah. 50s, somewhere in there? Yeah, Sims was like the 1830. What do other people think? I should mention, I'm going to have to leave in about in just a few minutes because I have to get a train back down to Los Gatos. Oh, uh, do you have a ride? How are you guys going to do it? Uh, I'm either going to take a taxi or if somebody wants to give me a ride to the trains. We'll give you a ride. Okay. All right, in just a minute or two? That's, we'll never see Rudy again. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the train's at 1030. Rudy's got to be a catch a ten thirty train. So well, we can drop him off in Muscatus. Oh, there you go. You All right. Oh. So we can relax. Maybe. Then I'd have to talk to you all the way home, though. <laughs> 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 and I, I bought a round trip ticket. Well, let's let's just talk some more. About okay. This. If Rudy wants to leave, he can leave. Yeah. Uh, uh, did, but did anybody have anything they wanted to put in? I was just trying to. I mean, the personalities, yeah. Well, uh, I enjoy the uh, steampunk literary uh, genre, whatever. Just, we all made, like, uh, uh, these scientific romances with, with uh, the brass gears and the, the airships and, and the, the submarines. But I always thought that the, the word, more worthy examples of it uh, address the social inequities of the Victorian age, uh, the work mills and children working 12 hours a day and uh, rather unflattering treatments of women and uh, Yeah, I always thought of it as a darker time than everybody else sees it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so there's all this whiz-bang, gee whiz, you know, gentlemen adventurers, but just down the block there are children working to the bone and, and doing horrible things to survive. And, yeah, well, what's fun well, to writing find, books about that? You'll find that in, in a lot. A, a lot of the books do get into that. that. That's certainly not something that any of these writers are unaware of. Yeah. But and actually, that contradicts uh, Richard's thesis. No, 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 no. Hang on a second. I, I, I'm not talking about that. The past was all kinds of fun. I'm, I'm saying that uh, the 
a lot of the writing and the approach to it and why folks are doing it is because of the fiction itself. Is, yeah. is that it is uh, a, or a more positive vision uh, or a sardonic vision. Uh, uh, it's it's just flat out fun. I mean, if you spend a lot of time really digging into how any period in history actually was, uh, you'd slit your wrist. It this is it's. It's How about fun. now? Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think, too, that it was growing up, when I was growing up, the first real science fiction stuff I read, I don't know about Rudy or, or Cage or the others, but was Jules Verne and H.G. Wells and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, and, and Edgar Allan Poe. And, and uh, you know, Poe wrote horror, but he also did some science fictional things, including a, a center-of-the-earth type thing, which is being alluded to in the novel here. Yeah, but that stuff, to me, I think there's a nostalgia for that. A few years back, I reread a large percentage of, of Verne and Wells, and, and I have to tell you, that stuff still does it for me. It still works for me. There's just something magnificent because these guys were discovering it, and that energy and that excitement is there in that fiction, which isn't in a lot of science fiction that I read. Well, if I could, I mean, it, I don't know. I, I've, I think I'm probably older than you, but maybe not. Rather than get into that, oh, I'm sure you are. I started. <laughs> I started reading science fiction along in about 1950, and that yeah. stuff was already old-fashioned. I couldn't stand it. Well, that's what the stuff I discovered, I though. Like, that's that's why right, I'm saying. Uh, that's why I didn't say that it was um, new then. I said yeah. it was the first stuff I read. The first stuff I read was, you know, uh, Simak and uh, Hanlon and I read and, those guys later. And all that stuff was actually hopeful. It was not a dystopian science mm-hmm. fiction vision. It was a vision of going <coughs> to the. You know, to, it was before the dystopian period. Well, Wells could be kind of dark. Wells wasn't always, uh, uh, you know, happy fiction. I mean, even War of the Worlds or the Time Machine certainly have dark elements in them, you know. But it, I, I think it was, uh, what I said was nostalgia right. for discovering those things early. The first science fiction I read was those guys. All right. I, I would also say it's, it's typical in, in any genre of art for people to recapitulate and go back and adopt uh, past styles. So by the same token that we would be going back to Verne, I mean, you have people now wanting to go back and write like Heinlein. Like, for instance, Charlie Strauss says his new novel is going to be a Heinlein-style novel. And uh, so it's easy to imagine. It's sort of endlessly, you know, that's the way art works. We we go back and eat eat the leftovers from yesterday. Wait, what? Uh, it was a good artist borrow, great artist steal. That's we right. eat our ancestors. Pillaging the past. But I don't know that, that there, nobody here really, I don't know, I didn't really try to write in a Victorian style. Did you guys? Or? Well, I didn't think I did. this was very goddamn Victorian. No, I didn't either. That's what I mean. I thought mine was kind of like East Texas Western or something. <laughs> I agree. Well, Cage had, had something to say about Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Cage. I'm just saying, the first science fiction I liked was Verne yeah. and Wells. The first science fiction I read was, yep, in the 50s, and the hero was a scientist, and he had a, you know, a wacky wife who was always gorgeous and curvaceous, and he drank martinis, you know, and, and he was wisecracking, and it's sort of... Was that Kuttner? That was all of them. Yeah. I mean, watch, watch The Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. They, you know, they always come home to the bar and start pouring a martini and talking about how lousy their day was, if only their invention could work, or, you know, the... the Professor, you know, the dean of the college could be persuaded to give his his research program more money, and and you know, and the wife is gorgeous. Yes. You know, and and there's a certain 
style to that. I mean, if I was going to write 50s-style science fiction, that's the kind of setting I'd go with. But the Victorian appealed to me more, possibly because I inherently like to live in the past. There was just something a little more engaging. Dracula is, if you think about it, kind of a steampunk novel in that these people yep. are using the technology, the cut, uh, cutting-edge technology of the day to defeat this ancient monster. You know, steamships, um, steam locomotives, uh, wireless dictating machines. Mm-hmm. It's a science fiction novel. Um, and it has heroines who aren't wacky and gorgeous. We've got, we got people out here, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, I grew up in a little farm town in South Dakota where we didn't even get television until I was a teenager. And uh, my great-grandfather was kidnapped at gunpoint by the James gang and taken to a cave where he uh, set, uh, uh, he took a bullet out of uh, Jesse and, and set it and bandaged it up and so on. That's cool. Uh, but recently I picked up a copy of uh, Winesburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson. Oh yeah. And he's writing about people who don't have any technology about except the train and somebody manages to commit suicide by riding his horse up to a, an oncoming train and dying. But since these people don't have any technology, they're, they have to interact with each other all the time, and they just go nuts. <laughs> and I, I, it just—it seems to me that it's really kind of impossible to imagine a world where it's just not totally dominated by technology. But uh, this is a new concept, I guess, that we fill our lives up with technology. It, it wasn't the case uh, 100 years ago. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, you could put where would you put Bradbury in that? Bradbury was always writing about the past, even when he was writing yeah. about the future. Yeah, and he still. Was yeah, he still is. Mm-hmm. I, I think you could make a case. I was sitting here thinking, steampunk is, in a way, to me, a description of the actual singularity of how the world changed when it became, uh, a, uh, you know, when we began to use uh, uh, fossil fuels and electricity to um, uh, to to connect the world. So when people talk, people know what the singularity is, right? Uh, um, so that was a, that was an initial singularity. The, it was the actual singularity, as my position, that the singularity has already happened, and that was it. And if you think about it, we still live in the steampunk age. I mean, everything, uh, jet planes and cars are still powered by the expansion of hot gases. Everything that's that's how we still power. The and most world. of us are powered by hot, expansion of hot gases. <laughs> well, that's true too. More so every day. <laughs> I think you had another comment out here. Didn't you have something, sir, over here? Was it? Yeah, here's one here. I just had a question hey, because brought up earlier about the Wild Wild West. Was any of you fans of and or influenced by the Wild Wild West? You betcha. I loved it. Never missed it. Loved I'll it. tell you something else. There's a movie, a Czechoslovakian special effects film called The Wonderful World of Jules Verne. Yeah. yeah. It's shown in L.A. during the, these early 60s. It's available on DVD, but you need to have a PAL system or one of those Chinese, you know, Casios, to be able to play it. Fantastic, fantastic. That, that's people, what they have, the things look almost like they're cardboard. The, uh, the yeah, pen and ink. It looks like, like yeah. illustrated, it looks like Very steel strange. engravings are, are moving. I remember that. I saw it one time. I went to my junior high school prom in, like, the the, the vest, the, the short James West thing. Let's say it went over, it, it, it's, it's going over better in 2008 than it did back <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that stuff. I think we had somebody else over here, Terry. All right, please. Uh, in relation to other, whether it's steampunk or cyberpunk, to what extent does that setting uh, add to the story for you? Uh, does that really define the story that that you're writing, or is it just a setting for these 
For me, it's just a setting. I think. I, 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 I think. I don't think. Well, I don't think that's true. I think it's nostalgia involved with it. From as a reader, you know, as a kid, I think that's a lot of it with me. I, I don't think I'm quite as involved with it as some of the others. But, you know, I've read all that stuff. I've read all that Hollow Earth. Series. I mean, there's nothing that excites me more than the Hollow Earth. And I'm so disappointed that it isn't real uh, because Edgar Rice Burroughs made me believe. I, I actually got to finish one of his books once. They uh, hired me to finish the last Tarzan book. And, uh, you know, that was a big deal to me. But what I really wanted to do was one of the Pellucidor or Martian things. But, the, uh-huh. you know, I love that center of the earth deal in Pellucidor. I just thought, oh, that is so cool. And when I was a kid, all that hollow earth stuff, I've got all these tons of books on the hollow earth. And there, there was one, a paperback that came out called The Hollow Earth that had every nutball theory in the world about it but I just love that stuff so I think for me some of that's nostalgia about those those characters but for me that setting makes it fun so I, I don't know about the others I'm working on a screenplay that's a, a steampunk version of Pygmalion uh, so what I, does that mean? Teaching the Tin Man to sing properly. Robot Maria. Uh, no, it, it, it's actually a very uh, well, when you think about it the actual story of Henry Higgins, he takes a woman off the street, spends three months re-educating her, and then when he's done, he's ready to kick her out. Henry Higgins is not a very nice guy, so right. uh, he, he won't but he won't be he won't be in his flick. But how what, does it get steampunky? What makes it steampunky? Uh, because uh, Henry Higgins is an actual real person that Shaw actually met, and uh, they know Captain Nemo, and they know Phileas Fogg. Is that those those are actual real people interacting with? Henry Higgins, mm-hmm. uh, but on the question of how how does the reality affect what you do, my sister found a picture of my great 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 I don't know how many greats I got to go back to eighteen <laughs> something or other uh, uh, grandfather, and it's him with his violin from this era that I'm I'm dressed up in. It's real to me in that the guy looks like me. It's and I'm a musician, by the way. So I'm doing it in part because I feel an actual connection to someone from my family who was alive then, and he could have been me. Yeah, Not as pretty, but he could yeah. have been me. Well, you know, Phil Farmer was doing this with the other log of Phileas Fogg and all that back yeah. in the 70s. Yeah, it's true. You know, because it really, it's... I, you know, he was. I think he was. One, he was always ahead of everybody, really. But with Farmer, it was always the characters, also. So, yeah. steampunk in a way is not really about steam. It's about Victorian morals and mores and characters and principles and sort of. Uh, well, Wasn't all good fiction about people? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but it's called steampunk. You know, they had, but to, pick, they had to. They had to pick a name. Uh, people it, punk it's, didn't it's, have it's, the it's ring. The thing that, that came after, it's the thing that came after cyberpunk. It, it was easy to say, okay, you burn out on cyberpunk. Here's the next cool science fiction thing. It's steampunk. If you like retro, the style appeals to you. You know, I like retro. Um, appeals to me. I mean, I've spent most of my life living in different centuries. You know, with with historical reenactment. Um, but what what is I think at the core, which really was kind of originally at the core of most good science fiction, is the idea that you know technology and knowledge can improve the world we live in. Yes, there are kids in the workhouses, you know, and that's awful. But we can build a better world for them. That whole sort of Shavian advance that we will evolve into something better. And it is kind of Shavian because it isn't given a lot of credit now. Shavian meaning 
God, I hope you all understand I'm talking about George Bernard Shaw, who was also a Victorian. Yes. Hopeful? Hopeful or positive view of the future? Well, that's... that's uh, Not if it's a view of the future, exactly. <laughs> I don't think it has to be any of those things. In fact, I pox on all their houses. I, I don't really like any of these, you know, stinkpunk, splatterpunk, all that stuff. Okay, I, I once wrote a thing where I, I called it, you know, this is the beginning of cowpunk as a joke. And a bunch of people started calling it cowpunk. I said, oh, shit. That's, that's what, what I... Because I think as soon as you can identify it, it's pretty well done. And, and uh, I, I don't like clubs. I don't want to belong to any club. I belong to the Lansdale Club, and like I said, there's only one member. Nobody else wants to be there, I don't think. But to me, that I, you know, I think it's just fun to, to explore different ideas. Some of them may fall into what people want to call steampunk or splatterpunk or, or cowpunk or a cyberpunk or whatever, but to me, it's still, it, the whole idea is to just to write something that you think is interesting, that's entertaining. That I don't think it has to be hopeful. I don't think it has to be negative. I think it just has to be a story that you want to tell. And I think it's just like anything else. Some, you know, one of Byrne's last novel that they released many, many years after his death, just a few years ago in a sense, maybe eight, ten years ago, was this extremely dark novel about Paris, which I alluded to in, in Flaming London. It was so dark his publisher wouldn't publish it. And so it didn't get published till long after he was dead. So I, I think I think these things can have. I don't think they have a viewpoint that's singular. I think they can be about anything. Well, but but on the one hand, I, I, it's true. Victorian literature was certainly not all optimistic. And I'm thinking of Wells' uh, Tunnel Bungage. You ever read that? Was one of Wells's uh, no, very. A great but very dystopian novel. But I think his later work is really dark. Yeah, but I think Steambuck, when we talk about it, uh, there is, I mean, you, you're sort of saying, here's a sort of a collection of stuff. Why, why are people doing, why are people writing about Wells and, and Jules Verne and why are they writing about brass I, I rails and stuff? Why. Well, let, let me just finish my little thing. I'm saying they're writing about it, and it always has a, I would say, a sort of a genial or optimistic air. If people want to write something real dark, that's not where they'll set it. All right. That was. I, I can. Uh, uh, how many people have a transporter in their garage? <laughs> okay. How many, how many people have a warp engine that, that they work with? Nobody? How about a warped engine? <laughs> okay. Now, you can make the clothes. You can make the watches. You can build the engines. You can actually build the stuff and touch it, and then you can write stories about it if you're so inclined. I think that's why it's, it, it is, is actual for real stuff that people sitting in this audience can actually do. And, okay, you can yes, you can dress up like an Imperial Stormtrooper, but... <laughs> No ships up there. Last time I checked. Uh, but it's, so it's like a Renaissance fair in a way. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I can't build. I would like to say here, as a veteran of the Renaissance fair, that it started out as an educational program. By God, you know, I taught Elizabethan English as a second language. So when you see all those people in cone heads, all those women out there, you know, and people selling hot dogs and lemonade. That's not the real Renaissance Fair. The real Renaissance Fair was originally reenactors, painstakingly recreating history authentically. Right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Please. Hey, I was um, curious about uh, because I gotta be honest, I've never heard the term steampunk until tonight. Okay. Um, I never have. And everything you uh, talked to me, it, it, it sounds like um, a lot of graphic novels. It, it, 
is that where the it's, goes? It's everything. It, it, By the way, Lansdale, I joined your club any day. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing, one thing that hasn't been mentioned is how that the part that television plays in what folks are doing. From folks my age, uh, is that you some you you got to science fiction because you saw the Wild Wild West or mm -hmm. the Man from Uncle or the Time Tunnel or um, uh, what's the one where they shunk the ship. Uh, Oh, uh, Fantastic Voyage, yeah. is that for a lot of folks, you got into reading because you saw the movie and then read the novelization and said, now I want to read more about the rest of this stuff, and that's how you got into it. I watched Flash Gordon serials. <laughs> but I, mean, I, I used to read Danny Dunn books, for crying out loud. That, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, which my sister gave me a whole collection for for Christmas. A couple All right, years. has anybody ever done steampunk uh, as, we, as a loose understanding of stuff as a TV show or as a movie? I don't think so. Well, Wild yeah, Wild, 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 Wild West. Well, Wild Wild West, okay. I guess. Yeah, but it was a movie. No, 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 I'm talking about the TV show. The TV, the TV show was, was great. Yeah, the TV show was great, and it had a lot of that kind of stuff in it. Uh, uh, what was that was one that had the Campbell? Campbell. Yeah, that came later, though. That was... Uh, Briscoe County. The Briscoe. secret... Yeah, Briscoe County. The I got to meet him. Oh. He's a friend of mine. And, and Not Bruce. he knows what steampunk is. Bruce That's Campbell? What, yes, he sure does. Well, he's a friend of mine, man. I'll tell him... <laughs> Bruce that. Campbell. How many he people, did a movie I wrote. How many people oh, here have seen Bubba Hotel? Hello. Well, there's the author of Bubba Hotel. <laughs> and that's why he knows Bruce Campbell, right? That's or, right. Or, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. We yeah. met through that. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's uh, another literature that's not well known. It's called Steamy Punk, which is Victoria's <laughs> Secret instead of Victorian. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> yes. Just a quick question because the, a lot of the description I've, I've been hearing about steampunk makes it seem like more uh, existing technology back then, but back then they were talking about invisible men. Uh, yeah, and they invisible men, mechanical men, lost races under the sea. Right. Yeah, I love all that so, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you ever watch Gene Autry, the the Phantom Empire, where they went underground? There was those damn robots. Oh, yeah, was, and they always got it, it was done in serials and this stuff. See, I'm more affected by the West more than I actually was the other. I think for me, I came at it sideways. But uh, I always just thought it was cool that they could go down and fight robots and get out just in time to go back to Melody Ranch and sing a song. <laughs> and then and then they would go back. That it, it was. The humor of that TV stuff, series, yeah, that. yeah. What well, was a, it? Was a TV series that they they played the old serials on TV, <laughs> and uh, I, I just loved all that stuff and the robots. But I always thought, and you know, and the uh, uh, Master of the World. I mean, that was machines that never existed. I mean, people were talking about, you know, these flying machines that never happened. Yeah, it's like you said, well, invisibility and all. Yeah, that. and all that. I mean, it's. It was, I, I think. It, I think it was an, a simplicity <coughs> of idea. For me, I mean, the science fiction now, I, I sort of lost interest in science fiction as a reader with a few exceptions. I, I still read short stories and the occasional novel. But for me, when I read science fiction, I tend to go back from about 1978 backwards. And uh, that's not all necessarily good stuff either. But, uh, you know, for me, after a little while, I don't know what, it, it lost its charm for me. And that may just be me personally. But I can go back and read a lot of the older novels, and some of them are just awful. You know, and I think, oh, my God, what did I see in this? But then I'll go back and find an old, older Philip Jose Farmer novel or Philip K. Dick or what science fiction in general. But going all the way back to Jules Verne, when I was rereading that stuff, it had a charm that I really enjoyed. I, I prefer H.G. Wells, actually. But of those two, I think for me it's just that, that feeling of excitement and energy of new discovery that those writers were having at the time. Oh, let's come up with invisibility. I mean, that was new. But it feels fresh in their hands because for them it was new. 
Yeah, it hadn't been done since the Iliad. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, for science fiction, it was new. I mean, it wasn't like a cloak. It was some kind of yeah. scientific reason, you know. Uh, let me ask Jacob, who who sponsors this program and just did a book on steampunk. Uh, you must know all about it, so what the hell do you think? Uh, drum roll. <laughs> Seriously. Well, can, you, can you be more, a little more specific? What would what? How did you choose? Uh, what how, what do you call steampunk in terms of like what you published as steampunk as a literary? We all know that literature is just marketing, but what do you what do you see as a marketing uh, that works marketing as steampunk? Why wasn't I in your book? <laughs> uh, so we're we're getting down to the crux of the matter. Right. <laughs> um, well, I have to say first off that. Uh, you know, steampunk. You know, it was a book we published. Uh, I didn't edit the book. Right, but I'm assuming you had some agreement with. So. Well, it, it, yeah. You, the, the, you got talked into it by editors. Yeah, That's I, exactly I, I, what it was. I got <laughs> talked into it by uh, Ann and Jeff Vandermeer, who did a terrific job with the book. Uh, it is a sort of uh, Victorian science fiction, or, or looking at the Victorian age through the modern lens of science fiction, and sort of either a combination of. Uh, uh, looking, lo looking at these technological breakthroughs that were actually happening at the time, or looking at, uh, often looking at technology that couldn't possibly exist, but somehow uh, being able to craft it out of the, uh, the, the, the nuts and bolts, I don't even know if they had bolts, but uh, of, uh, of that era. Stone but, eyes and bare skin. Exactly. Well, you, you know, if you actually go back to a lot of uh, the Greek uh, uh, the, uh, Inventors, they they used steam and robotics, and I mean they were sim simplistic by what we think of now. There was one in I can't remember. Heron of Alexandria. That's who it was. That's who I was trying to think of. He invented all of these little robotic machines that they put in these temples, that, and you could put like a quarter in and get a, you know a glass of water, just like it was these like a water dispenser. They did all this stuff, and they had one where they would come out, it would open up, and like little men would come out and move around that was represented the gods and different yeah, things of that nature. So you can write a steampunk Greek novel is what I'm saying. Somebody's got to do that. Go back what, to the Greek era and write a steampunk. What percentage of the Vandermeer book do you think is humor? 40? Uh, I haven't really thought of it in those terms, but I think there's a lot of that. Seems like steam, a lot of steampunk is, is humor, it seems to me like. Well, it, it's playing. It's playing with uh, with the tropes of a different era, yeah. and I, th I think the reason it's compelling is that's fun to do. Exactly. Right. So there's a genial quality to it, right? You were you were, you had something. Yeah. yeah. Is there is there a relationship or connection between steampunk and the new weird? And what? And the new weird. I mean, besides having anth having an anthology edited by Jeff Vandermeer. <laughs> Personally, I don't think so. What do you call the new weird? I, I'm, I know what it is, but I don't know what it I just, is. I just see it like, I mean, a lot of, a lot of similar trust. It's like, a, like a, an obsession with Victoriana. Um, oh, there's a lot of Victoriana in the new weird, oh, too? absolutely. Well, um, that might also... A lot of, cent a lot of centrality it, of London. Yeah, it, it ha it, it, the, the new weird has... Uh, it's more British than... It is, right. It's, I was about to say, it's, it's more British, and so I think they're, in, in the new weird, you've got people actually pulling... Uh, Pulling from their own culture. I think also because the term punk is now overused, and so is, it's yeah. like, okay, we need to come up with something else. The steamies. But, 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 I, but I think the impulse for the new weird is is, is very different. It's it's sort of taking 
horror and high fantasy and, so and, 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 and urban stuff and putting that all together. And um, peak. Yeah, mm. peak. Very, very so much. that's more of a horror of uh, gothic yeah. angle to it. It's like, let's all rewrite the last yeah. book of the Gormenghast trilogy. Well, but the, but the Gothic, I mean, the, the, it's interesting, actually, because the, I mean, the Gothic period is, is concurrent with the Victorian era. So, you, you know, it, 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 well, it, it, it lasts a lot longer. Uh -huh. but, it, you're, you're, but, but you're pulling from similar, uh, similar periods, but you're taking... Well, like she was saying, Dracula's things. Gothic, but it's also got that, that sort of science fiction modern feel to it, too. Frankenstein's the same way. Starts right. on a steamship out in the Arctic Ones, right? Mm -hmm. Well, listen, we're, we're, um, um, we should probably take a couple of comments if people have got them. Let me make a comment. We do this once a month. What, when are we doing? The 18th? The 18th. Uh, we not only, like I say, we have really good writers. Uh, we, we, you know, we're kind of geeks. We talk about science fiction <laughs> stuff. We're going to have Barry Malsberg, who's one of the great curmudgeonly critics of science fiction yeah. as well as a great mm -hmm. writer. Uh, Stan Robinson and Cecilia Holland are going to be here. And they and Cecilia Holland is a, a um, historical novelist who's written some science fiction, <coughs> but one of the things we're going to explore is, is why historical fiction and science fiction are sort of uh, sleep in the same bed, which, uh, uh, you know, one of the things they want to talk about. So we'll... We'll have a great discussion and a great reading on the Buy lots of books. I hope people will get on our mailing list. I hope we pick up some people from Lithquake. Buy lots of books. And uh, <laughs> come see us again. Yeah, buy, buy books and, and uh, uh, Joe won't sign them. So yeah, no, I'll sign them in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.